like I would look at my children, I would know that I love them. But if we're talking about actions, my actions were not displaying that. And it's not because I didn't truly love them. It's because I didn't love myself and I was denying myself. So I didn't even have, you know, I couldn't even give the love. I mean, you can't give the love if you're not giving it to yourself first. If you don't have a well, you know, if your well is empty, there's nothing to dip out to hand to other people. And so it's so interesting how the more on the outside, it looked like I wasn't doing the things that I should do as a mom because I was turning inward and really focusing on nourishing myself, I actually became a better mom. I became the mom I had always wanted to be because I was tending to my heart. And when you tend to your own heart, the little hearts around you naturally receive from that. It just, it just happens. You don't have to try to make it happen. It just does. Welcome to True Intention. The podcast where we dive deep into the art of healing, the journey of transformation, and the secrets to building a life that's truly beautiful. I'm your host, Tina Brown, and I believe that within each of us lies the power to heal, transform, and create a life filled with purpose and beauty. In every episode, we'll explore the stories of incredible individuals who have overcome adversity, found their true intentions, and crafted a life that's nothing short of inspiring. Whether you're seeking guidance on personal growth, self-discovery, or simply looking for a dose of inspiration, True Intention is here to light your path. Our guests will share their intimate journeys, powerful insights and practical tips to help you embark on your own transformative adventure. So join us each week as we uncover the wisdom, courage and resilience needed to turn life's challenges into opportunities for growth. Let's embark on this journey together because when we set our true intentions, the possibilities are limitless. This is True Intention. Let the transformation begin. Hello, it's Tina and you are very welcome back to True Intention. Today's guest is entrepreneur and women's business coach, Stephanie Lanier. Stephanie has spent her life exploring new perspectives and helping others to do the same. The pursuit of a better, more efficient, more authentic, connected and natural way to live, work and learn is really what she's all about and what she has dedicated her life to helping other women and parents find as well. This conversation is honest, raw, vulnerable and so beautiful and I can't wait for you to hear it. We talk about embracing change and finding fulfillment prioritizing connection with our children over perfection parenting, EMDR therapy, and the profound impact of reconnecting with your heart. I hope you enjoy. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on True Intention. I'm so delighted that you're here. Uh, I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you for having me and um, thank you for what you're doing and just, you know, yeah, getting this started and providing this opportunity. Oh, well, 
It's all my pleasure. So you help women to build a life that they want to be living, say, right, through their businesses. But you didn't just decide that this was going to be your life path. You arrived here through your own journey and which was not clear cut by any means. So why don't we start by going back a little bit and figure out how you got to be here running your own business, helping women to fulfill their purpose in life. So you you take us back and start wherever you feel most comfortable. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, And it's it's funny you should say that, because actually there's been a bit of a a development in the last just the last day. Um, I have been working with a coach of my own to help me discover my purpose or not discover it. That is the wrong word to actually walk in the purpose that I know I have. And part of part of me was leaning too heavily on the masculine business side of things, where really the last part of what you said, helping women find their purpose, whether it's in business, whether it's in motherhood, wherever that, wherever they find themselves or are having a hard time finding their true selves in this moment, that is where I feel called to meet them and journey with them. Um, So how far back do we go? Little girl Stephanie knew what she wanted to be when she was older and had a very clear trajectory that stayed the course for a good seven or eight years until, um, until she decided that she wanted other people to like her and, um, and believed that she had to be someone different in order for them to like her. And the odd part about that is that just sets, it set me up for a life of striving, right? Striving to do the right thing, striving to get the good grades, to be the good girl. Um, I finally, I kind of rebelled when I was 17. I was like, I'm done being the good girl. I'm done doing everything that everybody wants me to do. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And, um, I ended up um, pregnant at a very young age, young age uh, in a relationship with someone who did not value me as um, for who I truly was. And then I just kind of started striving to be who he wanted me to be. And that, yeah, I lost a child um, very early on, stayed with the same man even after that, um, because I very quickly became pregnant again. And by this point, I think losing my first child and not, you know, not being able to experience being her mom, when I had my second daughter, I just really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And little girl Stephanie had also wanted to do that, wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, wanted to live on a ranch with horses and be a mom. That was like, that was what I wanted. And it's, it is still my dream. (laughs) Um, But at this point, the man I was with could not support us, um, at least the way that, you know, society tells us we should live life uh, just with his salary. And so I started looking for a career that would allow me to stay home with my child as often as possible and would not take my energy away from her um, or my time away from her any more than than necessary. 
and teaching is what I landed in. Also, because I just, I love children so much. It was a natural thing for me. What I did not realize is the, the energy cost of being the mother, basically, for other people's children all day long and then coming home to my own child. So I, I entered teaching to have more time with my daughter and it did serve that purpose. But after 10 years of that, A, I fell out of love with the public in, the public education institution, the institution of public education, and B, recognized the energy pull that it was and the fact that it was not serving my family and my true purpose in life, which at the time I could not figure out how to get out of it without just, I just, I just couldn't figure out how to get out of teaching without just completely quitting. And I did not know what else to do with my life. And at this point, my ex was also ready. He just wanted he wanted to leave where we were living and go live somewhere else. But he was in a very similar situation to where he was not happy. He was actually very, very not happy, more so than was evident on the surface. And so we decided to embark on this family adventure, full-time travel together. And with the hope and me with the faith that A, it was gonna give our family time to be with one another. So you know, fulfilled my wanting to be at home with my kids. It was just going to be a different kind of home, a mobile home, um, literally mobile home. <laughs> and it also fulfilled this sense of adventure that I had had all my life of, you know, I wanted to go at this point in my life, I had never been to the Western half of the United States. And that is where my little girl, cowgirl ranch dreams lived were in the Western U.S., so our idea of full-time family travel, it happened. We started it, we got six months into it, and then COVID happened. And my idea when we were on the road was to teach other people, you know, what we were doing and how we were doing it and um, earn money somehow that way. And also coach other people who maybe want to do something different in their life through that process but I just couldn't seem, I got in my own way. I just couldn't seem to get the business off the ground. Um, I did a whole lot of, I did all the background things. Like I built my own website. I built my own Shopify store. I designed products for the Shopify store. I did all these things that I thought I needed to support, you know, to have a business. I blogged, um, but I didn't market myself. I didn't really put any of it out there. I was so busy getting the foundation together that I didn't even bother to find customers. <laughs> and yeah, so that business did not get off the ground. COVID happened. I, during COVID, we could not, we did not travel. Um, my ex and I split. I ended up getting a divorce. Um, my ex actually is completely cut off from our family now for choices that he made that have um, consequences that just are what they are. And so I was in this position where I'm like, oh, well, I can't be a full-time mom now because I am the only one that my kids have. I have to earn an income. And the first job that came along was um, working as an assistant for 
an entrepreneur coach and he taught other entrepreneurs how to operationalize their business and streamline their business and how to delegate tasks to their teams. And I learned, um, I did some coaching while I was there, even though I was never actually given the title coach during while I was employed there, but um, I enjoyed the coaching aspect. And it was really interesting to recognize that my skills as a teacher and being able to see the unique individual needs of each student and what they needed to grow to their next level of success applied to individuals at any ask, you know, any point in their life. And so that gave me the confidence I needed to try going out on my own in business again. But I still had this feeling that I needed some kind of external validation and stamp of approval to do what I wanted to do. And so I got certified as a director of operations and thought that I wanted to actually go into people's businesses and help them run their businesses. But that is not who I am. I am a, a doer and I'm very good at being a doer, but my highest skills and my highest value, I feel like are what I just said, seeing other people's unique value and set of skills and coaching them to their next level of success, whatever that may be for them. And I am an advocate that success does not mean what our modern world has deemed it to mean. So that is, that's what led me here. And my desire now is to help more women understand that, you know, if success to them means being a stay at home mom, that is successful. I mean, the little souls that are entrusted to us, the majority of their development happens those first seven years. So the fact that mothers are not given the respect that they deserve, the mothers, any mother who is not told that that is the most valuable job that they could have, you know, that is the epitome of success because you are guiding this little soul for the first seven years of its life if that's what someone wants to do full-time, then that's great. If you're not in a spot like, you know, myself, I'm not in a spot to where I can do that without having some other form of income coming in, then I want to help them figure out how to make that possible too, because I do work from home now. And I also have my daughter homeschooling in the other room. She's a little bit older, but there are other ways to make it work. So yeah, that's what I'm all about now. Just trying to problem solve with other moms. Well, that's pretty, it's a pretty noble path, right? And what you were saying about society telling us how it should be. And I think we're all caught in this trap now where we're led to believe that we have to be everything and you have to be doing 100% at everything. So you have to be the perfect mother and the perfect wife or partner, you have to be like high flying in your career, but also be at home to put the dinner on the table at 5 p.m. or, you know, and take the kids swimming and to tennis and horse riding and whatever else that they want to do. And you feel that they should be doing because you're probably guilty because you're you're not at home with them if you're out in the office and you're you know what I yep. mean? And it's just it's like there's this hamster wheel now. And it's just like constantly feeling yes not enough and so mm -hmm. i absolutely adore your message 
of, you know, saying that's success. And I think you're right. And like you said, you were looking externally all the time when the truth is and the real trick is that happiness, joy and success is an inside job. That is that is the true key. I mean, that is it right there. And so to that extent, I will say I used to be I used to be that woman that thought I needed to do all the things. And the one I will say I recognized early on that the extra activities were one thing I just and I felt guilty for this because I did not take my kids to extracurricular activities. I was like, we have school and then, you know, we come home, we barely have any time together. I'm not committing to these, to soccer or tennis, or um, I would have committed to horseback riding lessons, but it just wasn't in the card for us, cards for us at the time um, financially. And that was another aspect was financially. We just couldn't afford the extra things. And I just made a stance that no, this is one, this is, a line in the sand I'm drawing, we will not be busy in the evenings. Like we are not going out and doing extra things. And that I think was one of the first little tweaks that I I started to realize, okay, I don't have to do dance. Like my kids don't have to be in dance. Like my friend's kids are. And our life is a lot more peaceful because of that. And, you know, if I had had a child that looked like maybe she would have been a professional dancer one day, I might've done things differently, but I started, I've always looked at things strategically. And when I realized that being a teacher was sucking so much energy out of me, I started looking for ways to maximize my energy output at home. And one of the ways I did that was looking back at my childhood, like what things did my parents do that I feel like made the biggest impact on me? I looked at scientific research, um, you know, what are the, what are the things that the most successful kids, um, you know, their parents did consecutively. And really I found, I stumbled on this article, the scientific article that said, the three core things that made the biggest impact in children's lives were three minutes of connection at the beginning and end of their day with their parent, reading to them at night and eating dinner together. And the eating dinner together, it didn't matter if it was in the living room. It didn't matter if it was at a table. It was just everybody being together. So really it's, it's togetherness. It was just connection. And so I made it my goal. I was like, all right, if I do nothing else, but these three things and my kids will be okay. <laughs> and that is, um, that's still kind of how I live my life even now. Like the, I think it's Pareto rule, like the 20%, 20% of your efforts produce 80% of your results. And when I worked with the entrepreneur coach, he always talked about the, um, minimum effective dose and using that as a way to gauge your actions throughout the day. Like what is the minimum effective dose in this situation? Do that and then move on. Like don't do more. More is a waste of your time. And so I've just, I've kind of just started applying that to every aspect of life. Like what is, what's the minimum effective dose here? What is the minimum my kids need from me? What is the minimum my job needs from me? What is the minimum my clients need from me? And not from 
you know, it can kind of sound when I say that, I'm like, oh, it's not from a place of trying to do things halfway. It's, it's really just using your energy efficiently because we only have so much. It's true. Like everything you're saying is true. So I just want to come back a bit and kind of talk about, you know, you wanted to like change things around. And I know obviously you had a tough time when you decided to, to sell everything and to go on the road. What would you say, what was the catalyst or maybe what was your, what happened that was your turning point? Because I believe that there are only two ways that we can change because you spoke about kind of, you know, looking externally and doing what society told you to do. And the only the only reason and the only way that humans actually do change is one, if they make a choice to change and two, if they if life forces them to change. So if there is uh, an illness so if someone becomes really unwell if there is maybe they suffer a loss or you know they're basically pushed to do it so for you what was that in your life that made you just say I have to burn this down if, if I want to start living and building the life I want so for you Stephanie what was it yeah there's a couple and it depends on how far back I go but there's one particular story that you know I had started to realize I left teaching once, tried to get out of it, ended up getting another degree in education, couldn't find a job and got back into teaching. And so the second time around as a teacher, I now had three children, not just two or not just one. And it was the continual rat race of, you know, get everybody into the car in the morning to get the two younger ones to daycare and myself and their older sister to the school that I worked at. And one morning, I'll just say it was exhausting. Every single day, it seemed like I was yelling at my kids. And every single day I was guilty. I felt guilty for yelling at my kids. My youngest would cry. She would cling to me like her daycare worker had to pry her off of me. And I walked away from the daycare every day hearing her like just sobbing because I was leaving her. And that broke my heart because I did not want to leave her. And so there's, you know, all these pressures building up. And then one day I'm yelling at the kids to get in the car. We're late already. And I slammed the car door and my finger slammed in it. And I did, I was wearing gloves. It was a really cold morning. And um, I had on red gloves and I heard, uh, I heard the sound of my finger breaking before I felt it. And I actually didn't feel it for quite a while. I yanked, my glove was stuck in the car door and I yanked the glove out and didn't realize that my finger had been broken until I saw the blood dropping, dripping out of the glove. And I'm sorry to be so gruesome, but it was, it really, it's like the universe knew I needed that for myself because mm -hmm. I can't stand blood. I can't stand any of it. I didn't even want to take the glove off. Long story short, I spent the entire day at, um, well, the entire first half of the day at an urgent care clinic uh, with a doctor who didn't even know what to do with my finger. He, he spent four hours with me just having it in this little dish of iodine solution, I believe, to keep it sanitized and calling. He called all different places 
the second half of the day I spent in a um, specialist's office an orthopedic hand surgeon is where I ended up having to spend the second half of my day got x-rays and found out that I had completely shattered the tip of my finger yeah and oh sorry if you don't like gruesome things maybe don't listen right now but my fingernail was perpendicular to my finger and that was that was the thing that the other doctor was like I don't even know what to do do I pull it off do I try to force it back down like what do we do with this Mm. um yeah so all that to say I just as I was sitting there that day contemplating like what was it all for you know the yelling at my kids to get them to a place I didn't even want to take them to so I could go to a place I no longer wanted to be at that I felt like I had to go to in order to pay the bills for the home I didn't even want to live in anymore like, what's the point of all this? And then to top it all off, none of us got to any of those places that day. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. And it was okay. And I knew at that point, I was like, I don't know what has to change, but something has got to change. And I knew enough by then to know that the only thing I had control over changing was myself. And so I started thinking like, okay, this would not have happened this morning had I been regulated and calm. What can I do to regulate myself better? And that would solve a lot of my issues. The guilt I was having about being an out of control screaming mother, um, you know, the franticness in the morning. And the thing I came up with was 10 minutes of silent time. And every morning I made a commitment to every morning and it didn't happen every morning, but I tried as many mornings as I could. I went upstairs to this open room we had and I would just close my eyes and sit in silence. And at the time I, um, I would use a Bible verse to kind of keep me focused because my mind would, you know, as soon as I would close my eyes, like all thoughts would come in and all these worries. And I was like, how is this helping anything? And so I would just say the same phrase or Bible verse over and over and over again to at least force my mind to focus on just one thing. And um, that was the beginning. And it was like, when I started, when I committed to doing that, little by little, other things came into my life that were like these little breadcrumbs on a path that I had no idea where I was going, but I knew things were going to be different. If nothing else, I was, I was going to be different. And, um, so yeah, meditation, quiet time, and prayer um, eventually led to a gratitude practice. I ran across an author. Um, she is a Christian author. Her name's Ann Voskamp, and she's written some books about gratitude. And one in particular talked about she, when she was in a similar space in life, what had helped her was just noticing every moment of gratitude and actually writing it down the sun pouring through the window catches her eye and she would make herself pause and appreciate it and write that down you know her little girl comes up and touches her face with her hand and she would pause and she would speak that gratitude out loud and then write it down and she just made it a challenge for herself to write down as many gratitudes as she could each day And when I was reading this, I was like, there's no possible way I can do that. But I can begin each day with 
three gratitudes and I can end each day with three things I'm grateful for. And so that's what I committed to. And it's, it's funny how when you start that commitment, just like starting the commitment for quiet time started with 10 minutes, I grew to crave more of that. And so it got easier to get up a little bit earlier. So I could have a little more quiet time in the morning and the gratitude list started growing and then other synchronicities started happening in life. Um, I had an older distant family friend call me kind of out of the blue one day and he and his wife had just gone on this tour of um, several of the national parks in Western United States. And he was in his seventies at this point. And these are his words, not mine. I had told him, I was like, gosh, I really would love to do that one day, you know, and I'd love to do it with my girls. So we have those memories together. And his words were, he said, if you can figure out a way to do it now, do it and do it now before you're an old fart like me who can't enjoy, you know, the hikes and, um, and that was kind of what started the idea of, huh, how could we make that happen? And it just kind of went on from there. <laughs> it's so true, right? How many people or how many of us are like, one day when I retire, one day I'm going to do this. One day I'll definitely take that trip. I'll definitely, you know, whatever it is that you want, it's always later. But we're only guaranteed today. Right. We don't even know. You can't know that one day is actually going to be there when you decide now is the time. So he's speaking so much truth when he's saying the advice I give you and what sound advice that was is like, do it now. And it's like, why do we all we all do it? We all say, I'll get to it. And you're saying, you know, you wanted to make memories with your girls. And it's like, what are we waiting for? If we wait until we are retired, we can't make memories with our young kids who are going to believe it. They don't want they get to like 15 or 16. They don't want to be seen dead with us. They don't you know, they don't want to go on holidays with you. They they don't. You have there's a window. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you can't make memories with your teenagers or your kids. when They're in their 20s, but it's a it's a different type of relationship that you have yes. at that point. So like, I think it's incredible. And you obviously, you took what he said to heart. I did. And I actually, you know, I, it started to develop this dream of doing this big adventure, but it also, his words reminded me, like you just said, what can I do today to bring adventure into our lives? So I started making more of a habit of when my girls were outside drawing on the sidewalk with chalk, I would go out and, you know, instead of like being grateful that, oh, they're occupied for a while, I'm going to sit in the house and, you know, just veg out or read a book or whatever. I would go out and talk to them about their drawings. And that was, that meant more to them, you know, and to me too. And it's, it's funny how we think sometimes that we don't have energy for things, but it's because we're devoting our energy to the wrong things. And when we devote it to the right things, the things that are aligned with our core values, are aligned with our truest self, we have more energy. It renews our energy. It doesn't take away from it. And I started to recognize that. And so going outside and watching them do their chalk drawings led to more and more walks down the road next to our house, you know, which, 
and taking the time to actually walk at their pace, you know, not, not like, not with a purpose of, you know, oh, I'm walking to lose weight or for exercise. No, I'm walking to connect with my daughters and to reconnect with nature. That's the purpose. So it doesn't matter what our pace is. Um, uh, that's just, I hope it's like manna from heaven for everybody because we just, there's always a purpose. It's like, why is there always a goal? It's like you say, with a walk, it's to, oh, we need to get that exercise. The kids need 20 minutes or I need to get 10,000 steps done today because otherwise my Fitbit's going to be, I'm going to feel guilty because my I'm going to look at my Fitbit and it's going to say I only did whatever. The beauty and those moments where we look for gratitude, they're all around us all the time. And you say like, slow down, take it in. Time goes by so quickly and the kids grow so fast you just you turn around and you're like oh my god where did the last five six seven eight years go and I think as well COVID took a lot you know what I mean we're like it's the end of 2023 almost you're like what where how did this happen you know and you know I'm looking I I say like but my son he just started school no it's like he started school four years ago so in that same time again he'll be finished that part of primary school and you think no how can it be and then we look back and you know we all have these regrets about not spending and we're we're, you know not spending enough time and so I hope like this gets you know what I mean I hope this message like rings true for people it's like just take that five minutes while they're drawing out there you know I actually my son loves this um this thing on YouTube it's some kind of indie kind of game, right? Or it's it's yeah. a game or it's a cartoon. Or, and I, I'll be honest, I hate it. Like, I hate, you know, these things. And, yes. you know, he would say, oh, mom, can you can you come and watch this with me? And I would always kind of like, oh, yeah, I will in a minute. I just need to just finish the dishes or I just need to get the dinner on or I just need to throw the laundry out on the line or whatever it is. There was always something, right? You know, that yeah. you, that seemed more important. But that's what he loves and what he's, he, it doesn't matter. This is the thing that I failed to realize at the time and until now is like, it doesn't matter what's on the TV that he wants you to watch. It doesn't matter, you know, what what it is. It's you they want. They're craving that time with you. And if you can give it to them, but also give it to them while they're doing something they enjoy, like that is magic for them. That's what they want. You know what I mean? That's the need. So now I always just say yes, no matter what I'm doing. What is five minutes? What is it? You know, when you would stand, stand in your kitchen and pick up your phone and spend 20 scrolling mindlessly, (laughs) right? Online. That five minutes is nothing. And what do you gain? Like it's memories for both of you. It's actually a time for your nervous system to camp because you're you're going to regulate off each other because if your kids are sitting right. there and they're, you know, they're feeling calm or they're entertained, they're doing something that they love and you're with them and you're seeing that they're enjoying themselves. So therefore you start to enjoy that time with them and you're all regulating off each other because the kids, they co-regulate from their parents. So if your nervous system is in a good spot, you're doing those five minutes are giving you and your children 
or whoever you're with, it could be a friend, whatever it is. Like you're saying what you said about the energy that is, you're like, I've so much to do. I don't have time to stop. Do you know what actually stopping for those five minutes and doing that for them will give to you and give to them, to your yes. body, to your mind? I'm so glad that you, that that's where the conversation went about things like that, because I think those those moments are special. Those are the moments for gratitude. I think it's Eckhart Tolle says, we're all worried about what's next. You know, mm -hmm. what do I have to do? What do I have to do? But he says, all we actually have is this present moment. Yeah. This very moment right now. So there's no point in worrying about something that's happening in an hour's time tomorrow next week whether that be the bill that's due next week you're not sure where you're going to get the money mm -hmm. for it or oh I have so much to do tomorrow I don't know how I'm going to get all this done you know I have to divide myself in a million pieces you don't even know if that's going to be tomorrow right yes you just right. don't even know so all you have is this very moment right now and then you say well what's the problem like he says to ask yourself if you're really worried or anxious about something, but in this very moment, what is the problem? There's nothing. There's yeah. in that very moment, unless you, the, the thing that you're anxious about is actually happening, but generally it's not. And we're anxious yes. in advance of things. So like in that very moment, what is the problem right now in this very moment? Absolutely nothing. That's right. And that's all that you have. Yeah. Like if we can just start to live that way and be and be present in that moment I agree. and see the beauty in that moment. Right. So you're outside, yes. you're watching the girls do their chalk drawings on the sidewalk, whatever. The beauty of that in their childhood, in their essence, you're watching, you know, like that is energy for you. It is. And what I, what I found too, was a lot of times prior to actually going out there and paying attention, I would be like, Oh, well just tell me when you're done and I'll come look at your drawing that you finished. But when I started joining them, they started telling me the story of what they were drawing. And it, I got to understand, I was like, Oh my gosh, I never, had I just seen the finished drawing, I, I would have missed the whole story. And the story is what gave me insight into their little, you know, creative minds more so than the drawing did. And, and it also, you know, provided some fun kind of banter between us like, oh yeah, that's, that's a dragon. What's the dragon's name? You know, and that would start a whole nother, you know, spin of curiosity and creativity for them. And for myself, and that was fun. And it reminded me of the fun of being a child, right? Just being in the moment and making some up, something up. Um, and I, I was very blessed to have a coworker who did not care what other people thought about how she lived her life. And she could come off as a bit abrasive at first because she was so she believes what she believes and she stands for what she stands for and she will defend it no matter what. And one of the things that she did often was she would talk about, you know, they had a different place, a different fast food 
place that they would go every night of the week and her, because her kids were involved in lots of different activities and she's like if I tried to make dinner at night like that's my my little bit of time I have with them is gone you know their diets are going to be fine they'll they'll be okay as far as food goes I never get that time back with them I would rather spend the time connecting with my kids than you know, making a home cooked meal and doing the dishes and making that my focus. And so, and her point, I mean, she does cook and she does dishes and stuff. Her point wasn't don't cook home cooked meals. It was your kids and paying attention to them are more important than, um, you know, making this picture perfect dinner that everybody thinks you're supposed to make or this certain style of dinner. And she also told me one time, my oldest daughter really likes the Marvel action movies. And I just, I'm like you with your son's, you know, um, little cartoon that or game that he likes. I was like, I just, I don't know. They're okay. And this friend of mine, this coworker, she, her son also likes Marvel and she's I thought for the longest time she was a big Marvel Marvel fan and she is, but it's not because she is. She told me one day, she's like, well, I had to be because that's what he's into. And that right there made me realize I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. Like that is, that is a good reason to be into it so that you have, she's like, that's the only way we can connect pretty much. If I don't know what's going on in his world and what he enjoys, what are we going to, what are we going to have to connect us? And she has, um, three teenage, well, beyond teenage and teenage children now. And the cohesiveness of their family and the togetherness is something I always dreamed of. And so I don't necessarily have that with my oldest daughter. It's not necessarily the way that, you know, and I have the benefit of having children with a, a large gap between the oldest and the two younger ones and so my my oldest daughter was the guinea pig and I got to have a lot of regrets with her that I am trying now to focus attention on and not make not have the same regrets with her sisters and she and I are able to have open conversations about that so that has helped that relationship but um if I just you know would have recognized oh yeah I should like this. So I have a way to connect with my child, you know, I, what I suppose I want to say to you about that is I can relate having a big gap between my kids too. And, and I'm sure a lot of people will relate to this, even if they don't have huge gaps because we're growing all the time. Um, I don't think you're the same parent to any of your children. And it is, I suppose, it's very easy to have that guilt, probably about your first child. And I'm sure lots of people will, res- you know, they'll find resonance in this. Yeah. Is that if only I knew that then or whatever. But you couldn't know because you can only do the best that you can at the time with the tools that you have in your arsenal then. And the tools Sorry. that we have now are different and you're a different person. Mm-hmm. To, to you were then but I think what's important is that your daughter and uh, all our kids that they they can see that you know that they see those changes in you they'll come around I think we have 
you know, until they, the brain that mm-hmm. part of patterning that grows still till they're 25. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, there is time to change and it's very easy to slip into that. and feeling really feeling that huge guilt of knowing more and probably feeling like you're a better parent now, but them just seeing that. I think is is enough, you know, you were enough then, you know, you were enough then and you are enough now and we all are. And I think that's something that needs to be heard. You were always enough and it's always been inside of you, everything that you needed. So all this external searching that goes on Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's a pointless exercise. I'm just like, I want to scream this, you know, to everybody from the rooftops, you know, going, yes. Everything you need is already inside. It's like we said at the top. It's like, it's an inside job, okay? The happiness, (laughs) the stuff that you're looking for, that person. I saw this quote the other day. I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, everybody needs to see this. Put it in a book when they're in primary school. You know, that one person that you've been searching for to change your life has always been you. That person that you're looking for to complete you You've been looking at them in the mirror every day for your whole life. Yep, that I wholeheartedly agree with, for sure. The more that we can, the more that people hear this, the better and to feel it. And it, and it, it's, I have been on my own journey, you know, um, so I didn't feel like this before. Mm-hmm. I didn't always feel like this. I didn't always realize that I was my person. Yeah, I, too, was always looking outside of myself, um, you know, and this is the thing. And I think it's the way the society is that you think, oh, when when I when I get that promotion at work, then I'll be happy when I um, get get the house, I'll be happy when I get the new car, I'll be happy when we can go on a big holiday that's going to bring me happiness when I meet the man of my dreams or the partner of my dreams, that's going to complete me. That is, but the trick is it's not any of those things. It is you. And while those things will maybe keep you happy for a little bit, that's why we're always like, okay, what's next? That's how it works all the time with everybody. It's like, oh, I got that. What's my next goal? What's my next goal? What's my next goal? Because it's all that external searching. Always. It's like, yes, we've got to, you know, you've got to come home to yourself. Mm -hmm. And like, and then when you, when, when we can do that and when we can be, you know, when we realize and see that it's everything that we've ever searched for is actually already inside of us. Those things, those nice things are so much sweeter. Yes. Yes, they are. What I wanted to ask you was, I know that when you were, so we're talking, I suppose, about journeying and, and, and healing now, um, that when you, when you worked as the assistant for the entrepreneurial coach, you started to do some EMDR therapy. So could you tell, tell me a little bit about that time in your life and where that yes. brought you? Oof. Yes. Um, let's see. So this was right after, actually it was during my divorce. Um, 
And I will say that coach and his wife were very instrumental in being in supporting me through that whole process. Um, provided a very supportive work environment for me to show up with all of my emotions throughout the process and encouraged um, encouraged me to pursue EMDR. He's he's very adamant. EMDR helped him in his journey. And that is one of the things he actually coaches other entrepreneurs on is going through finding the, the form of therapy that works best for you and his ideal form of therapy or his most recommended is EMDR. And I had never heard of it before. Um, I had participated not, not formally, but a little bit in more of the talk-based therapy and kind of wrote it off because none of it had really helped me. I, my form of coping was to just stuff it all down deep inside and um, allow it to just spill out and over to anyone and everyone whenever I couldn't contain it anymore, which was also not helpful. But EMDR, it was during COVID, so I had to do it online. And it opened opened me up to realize that there had been abusive situations that I didn't even I didn't even recognize as abusive situations in my childhood and my young adulthood. And each session, you know, a lot of times we would start a session and I would tell the therapist, I'm like, I, I've got nothing today. I don't know what we're even going to talk about. And she would ask me one question and 15 minutes later, you know, I'm in tears and we're going through the EMDR process because it would bring up different layers of things that I, there were memories. I did things I didn't even remember from my childhood. And it got to some of those core wounds and beliefs that of not being enough, honestly, not being enough, not being worthy and started to um, help eradicate those. And EMDR helps you process emotions that you have just, you refuse to process and so they're stuck in your body and it helps you to feel them while processing them so that they can be removed, the energy can be released. And after six months of it, I mean, I look back now and I know that I would not be where I am now without that. There, there was a, a lot of processing that happened and kind of sorry for any of the therapists out there going through the process taught me how to do that for myself. Um, you don't, and that's, that goes back to our whole point, right? The truth is you actually, yes, it's good to have people to guide you through these kind of tools, but if you feel like that's out of reach and, you know, financially or time-wise or whatever, you don't actually have to pay for it. Like you can guide yourself through these things. You can watch YouTube videos that teach you how to guide yourself through them. And so now I do continue to coach myself and use EMDR when I'm feeling big emotions or something comes up that I know is, oh, this is not from right now. This is, there's something deeper here. What is it? You know, and it taught me how to feel into that and ask and ask myself in the moment, why is, why do I feel this way? What is this trying to teach me? What is this coming from? 
and and how can I accept it? So yeah, would you say that. I just that it's a lot, right? You know, it so is a lot. you've been through a lot. So in the the little while we've been chatting here, so you've had abusive situations that were uncovered during um during the EMDR. You had a divorce. There's been so much. There's been COVID. There's been selling your house and the whole thing. You know, it's like literally kind of you had this dream. And it kind of blew up, you know, so there was like trauma, lots and lots of trauma. And then comes the healing and then the transformation for you. Would you think that in order to transform, in order to have the life that you really want to be living, the trauma and whatever that may be for someone that has to be dealt with first? My initial answer is yes, but I don't feel like you have to deal with all of it Mm -hmm. first. There is joy in the journey there there is a way to experience joy in the journey but you have to be open to that that's a big part of it um for quite a while I actually I had a very positive relation or I have I have a very positive relationship in my life that there have been so many times when I have almost ended it because it felt too peaceful. It felt too good. And that is something I would caution to with EMDR, something I was not ready for and that I feel like not enough people talk about is it is exhausting. Um, It's totally worth it, but I would, you know, I said I would come to the session, feel like there was nothing to talk about. We would 15 minutes in, I would be reliving, you know, a PTSD scenario that actually was a pretty stuck cycle I had. Um, I think one of my very first incidences of trauma was my first child was stillborn full term. And it was, I thought I was going to the hospital that day to have a baby in my arms by the end of the day. And I was 19. So I wasn't even, you know, And for a long time, I couldn't think, I couldn't even talk about it. And when I least expected it, when somebody would say something, um, some things that triggered it for me, um, talks about abortion or talks about other people losing their children. I am a very supportive and kind individual just by nature. And so I would want to give support, but I would find myself paralyzed and like reliving my own experience when hearing about those kind of things. And my, the only way I could deal with it was like shut down and and run away, basically remove myself from the situation because in the moment it's the person that was talking about their experience who I felt like needed the support, not myself. Well, At the same time, I was denying my, I did need support and I never really received it until going through the EMDR process. And so that was a lot of what we worked with. That was one of the the core things that we worked through and come to find out it was because yes, that in in and of itself was a traumatic experience, but the events that led up to me even being in that situation were also traumatic experiences that had led me to denying myself and um, 
ending up in, you know, the relationship I ended up in and the place I was in. And um, so we would go through all this in this EMDR session and I would feel like this surge of energy and relief afterwards. And I'd feel great after the session and the next day. And then on the next day after that, so the third day or second day after EMDR, it's like this wave of just intense emotions would hit. And I was not prepared for that. And if you're not prepared for it, it leaves you reeling like, what is going on? Like I'm doing this therapy and I'm getting worse. <laughs> and it's, that's not true. You're, you're processing all the stuff that has built up and it's layers upon layers upon layers that, you know, maybe, no, not maybe, had it, had it been processed through early on, there wouldn't have been so many layers to get through. That's a wonderful lesson. Um, maybe for people pushing it down while it may be a coping mechanism at the time, it's going to come up somewhere else. It might not only be in relation to being in a space that somebody else has been in a similar situation. These things show up in your life, in in your person. It becomes part of your personality. Um, you know, you end up maybe running away from other things mm -hmm. or it ends up coming out in resistance somewhere else in your life or anger or, you know, it's not always like when trauma and, you know, and what you said about trauma being embodied is we know that's scientifically true now as well. And yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so to to drill home that the more that you push it down, the more you run away from it, it's just going to pop up somewhere else. And that the sooner that you deal with something even, and it's so hard. And this is the whole thing with the healing process is it is, you know, they talk about the dark night of the soul and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of these terms floating around now that were, were never there before. Mm -hmm. It's what you're saying is like, that was so traumatic. So when something is so traumatic, no matter what it is, it's a big T or a small T. It's all it's all trauma. That's relative to the person. Mm -hmm. And when you're compounding it, so the longer the longer that you wait, the more the more it is. And it's going to show up in your relationships. It's going to show up in relationships, be it romantic or work life or friendships or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's everywhere. So it's like the point that you're making is like you should really no matter how difficult it is at the time, the longer that you leave it, it's going to be even more difficult and more compounded and that we need to be aware of these things, but also the awareness around healing and seeking out help. Like yes. there's nothing wrong with it. And I know that it would be seen before as a form of weakness, you know, or, you mm. know, you just try It's like, no, you just get on with it. And it might be the old way of doing things, but it certainly is not a good way or the right way for you know personally for people when it comes to dealing with stuff so those events that happened a very long time ago they they continue to go with you so like you said it showed up in the things that happened following that over the following years would have stemmed from there and yeah. you know led you to to be and to deal with your feelings maybe in a certain way and then, like you're saying, you have this really great relationship, but you're almost running away from it. And would you say that 
a lot of the things are stemmed from the old, from old traumas and things that weren't dealt with. Oh yes, very much so. And I had grown accustomed to feeling like a romantic relationship had to have this toxicity to it because it always had for me. It always had. And that that's, it's also a form of excitement, right? Even though it's, it's negative excitement, it's still a heightened state in our nervous system. And so peace is the opposite of that. Peace is, it didn't feel comfortable. It's not what I was used to. It's not what I equated a, you know, exciting relationship to be like. And I had a very, I'm very grateful for, there's a coworker at the time um, that I confessed this to. And she sent me a quote and a book from, uh, I'm going to mess his name up. But one of his quotes, he has a book about suffering. And in there, it talks about peace being the highest expression of excitement. And that blew my mind. I was like, that's so true. Like it, it really, it really is. That is peace. Peace is the ultimate. It's the ultimate freedom. It's, you know, it is the ultimate. So I'm sitting here in this relationship that is the ultimate in every way, shape and form, you know, on the outside visible and, and how it feels inside, except for what I'm used to wanting wanting to push it away or thinking of ways that I'm not enough to be in it to be worthy of it because of the old trauma the old patterns the old conditioning and what I'll say about trauma too is not processing it in the moment you know our hearts our hearts need that and that's yet another way that we just kind of reject our hearts and the more we do that the more our move armor we put on it especially as women I, I know men do this too but I can speak to it as a woman the harder we become the colder we become even with those that we say we love and I started noticing that pattern like I would look at my children I would know that I love them but if we're talking about actions my actions were not displaying that and it's not because I didn't truly love them it's because I didn't love myself and I was denying myself. So I didn't even have, you know, I couldn't even give the love. I mean, you can't give the love if you're not giving it to yourself first. If you don't have a well to, you know, if your well is empty, there's nothing to dip out to hand to other people. <laughs> and so, yeah, the more, it's so interesting how the more on the outside it looked like I wasn't doing the things that I should do as a mom because I was turning inward and really focusing on nourishing myself. I actually became a better mom. I became the mom I had always wanted to be because I was tending to my heart. And when you tend to your own heart, the little hearts around you naturally receive from that. It just, it just happens. You don't have to try to make it happen. It just does. Oh my God. That is just so, just so beautiful. Honestly, we need to write that down, make that into a quote and post it everywhere. Oh. That is one of the most profound things 
profound pieces of truth that I have heard. And every mother, every woman everywhere needs to hear that, Stephanie. Yeah. That's And it's incredible. And what you've managed to do, given everything that you've been through, and to come out the other end, being able to open your heart again to love, mm. being able to be a better mother, a better friend, a better daughter, a better everything, because you gave to yourself, because you said enough is enough, because you said something has to change. I do want to say for anybody listening who hears me seven years ago would have heard be a better and would have equated that with like, oh, I need to try more. And that's, it's, gosh, if you don't get anything out of this other than this right here, it is not about trying more. It is about relaxing into who you already are. And if you need, if you don't like who that person is, well, get, you know, get some help to help you figure out how to like that person more. And then naturally it'll go from there. And I have little girls. And so Disney movies are big in our house. And I remember, I also grew up by the ocean. So the movie Moana, if anybody's seen that, and if you haven't, so I swear, I'm probably, I'm going to find the clip and post it on my YouTube channel. Because when I saw this, I just like, I was like, that's it. In this movie, everything starts getting poisoned. And it's because the heart of this, you know, goddess island has been lost, has been stolen from her. And so Moana's, you know, hero journey is to take the stolen heart and return it to this goddess. And when they, when she's in the boat, getting up to the island, it's like this raging volcanic demon looking, you know, fiery monster. And she's like, she thinks the goddess island is on the other side. She thinks the monster is protecting the goddess island. And what she finds out, like the moral of the whole story is the monster is the goddess who has lost her heart. And when I saw that, I was like, that's it. <laughs> you know, this finally Disney gets it right on a movie. It's not, you know princess prince blah 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 that that really i think is one of the most beautiful illustrations of what this is all about like when we starve our heart deny our heart ignore our heart yeah, especially as women we kind of become these or at least i did i became this evil witch version of myself and when i started paying attention to my heart like as soon as in the movie as soon as Moana returns the heart the demon looking monster like calms down and lays down and then like green life this flourishing you know all these beautiful flourishing flowers and just jungle vibrant lushness just immediately blooms out of her and it's you know she is once again this beautiful goddess island that gives life and all the poison that have been spread out into the world from her immediately dissipates like it's gone and everything is green and lush again and that is that's really what it is you know as women we our hearts are the most precious thing and we are in charge of tending them so that everything around us flourishes, but it starts with us. 
I'm almost lost for words, which doesn't usually happen very much. <laughs> um, I don't know, 100,000 mic drops there. There was so much to take from that. And I could talk to you forever and a day. And there's so much more. So perhaps you'll just have to come back, Stephanie, and we can I talk about <laughs> so many other things. One last question. What would you tell Stephanie from 2019 or 2020 who her whole world seemed to be tumbling down around her? If she was stood in front of you now, what would you say to her? Mm. Oh. Oh, so many things. Trust the process. Um, honestly, have faith. That's that's one of them. Because the Stephanie from then had already taken steps to reclaim herself. And follow your joy. That actually is, that is, um, it's kind of the mantra that I clung on to at the time because I had to. There was so much turbulence and so many things going on. If I didn't follow my joy, like find things, I actually made a list um, during this time period. Somebody had recommended that. And when everything was seemed like it was falling apart or was falling apart all around me, the world, the 2020, I made a list of things that I knew brought me joy and decided to try to focus in on those. And anytime, like I've, this past year has been, it's felt so very similar in, it's in a different way, but internally has felt very similar to that period of time, 2017, 2018, leading up to everything that happened in 2019. And I have clung to that. I have revisited that same list of how to follow my joy. I've added a few things to the list. Um, yeah, anytime you find yourself feeling joy, and if you don't have those moments, maybe go back to when you were eight years old, like what brought you joy then? Go do that, you know? For me, it was swimming. It was driving on country roads. Like my dad would take us out and we would drive on back roads and we would see the deer in the meadows and we'd see the horses in the pastures and that brought me joy. And so my girls and I actually have made a habit of doing that. If I've had a, a day that doesn't feel very good in the evening, I'd be like, girl, should we go for a drive? And they know now they equate that with happiness and joy as well. And yeah, actually like pausing to savor. If you're eating a food that you like, you can even do that. Grab a spoonful of honey. And if you like honey, and just actually allow yourself to pause and truly savor it as it's on your tongue. Like think about how it feels, lean into the moment, allow yourself to savor little moments of joy and then express gratitude for them along the way. And I, that's you know, one of my taglines for my business is enjoy the ride. And I mean that because the ride can be very rocky and bumpy and unpredictable. But if you're in the moment and you're here for it, you can tap into the joy of being here now. Wow. So where do we find you, <laughs> Stephanie? Where do where do we find you? How do we work with you? Give us some information. Sure thing. I am um I actually have just started a YouTube channel. Um, so it's Neo Strategic and 
that is really, I try all my stuff is neo-strategic. So N-E-O, NEO, it stands for New Eyes Open, but neostrategic.org is where you can find me online. That's my website. Um, and then on Instagram, it's at neo underscore strategic. And I'll make sure I have a link tree with all the links in the bio for everywhere I can be found. And I'm still, I'm still figuring it out myself. I'm enjoying this journey, you know, trying to figure out what to call myself. You know, I know where, I know where I'm headed. My little eight-year-old self that wanted to be a mom. Well, I am a mom. That's the first thing. Like I, I am already. You don't have to be a certain type of mom to be a mom. If you are a mom, you just are. And you are just fine the way you are. And um, yeah, horses and life out in wide open spaces is what I have in mind going forward. So however I can access that, I will. And connecting with others and helping others, because that's it's just what I do. That's what you were sent here to do. I and it's so... I it's so evident from this conversation that you are here to help others and other women. And I suppose often we don't realize the lessons in the journey, at, you know, at the time, but everything is leading us to where we're supposed to be. So if anybody is having a really tough time at the moment, there's a reason it may take it might take a long time for it to show itself. And sometimes you think, what the hell is the reason for this? Right. But, but it will. It, it will. We all came here for a reason. We didn't come to this earth for a pile of stuff to gather a pile of stuff. We came here to love right. and to connect and to help. And while we're doing what we're here is like we can just open our hearts and connect. Then our pathway, the reason will show itself. The whispers are there if we just slow down and listen to ourselves and our bodies and our intuition. And like you said, if once we leading from our hearts, that's all, I mean, that's all we can do. Yeah. I, all the masters, you know, all the great masters that all the different religions, you know, are founded upon. They say they, they all point to this, a very similar thing. You know, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is in your heart. Um, Rumi says, you know, our, we're all just walking each other home. And I think I really resonated with that because I do now equate home with heart. And it's actually a book I'm writing about this whole journey is the journey home, the long journey home. <laughs> and I think that is, that's the point, right? Is to help each other find our way back to our true self and to our heart, because essentially that helps everyone else in the end as well that's amazing and i look very much look forward to reading your book when it's done and <sighs> i'm sure everybody that listens to this will too so i hope when your book is done um i would love to have you and we're going to have you back on there's so much else that we could have covered and that I'm sure lots of things that people are interested in um, when it comes to education and unschooling and homeschooling and talking about your book and more about your journey. And just this has just been the most beautiful conversation. So thank you so much, Stephanie. Uh, thank you, Tina, for providing space for it and for inviting me to be part of what you're doing. And I love that you're doing this as well. I would be honored to come back and talk with you anytime. What a beautiful conversation that was. I'm so grateful to Stephanie for her authenticity 
and opening her heart to us. What an inspiration. I feel so blessed for having spent that time with her. Here are some of the main insights from today's episode with Stephanie. It's not about trying more. It's about relaxing into who you already are. And if you don't like who that person is, get some help to help you figure out how to like that person more. As women, our hearts are the most precious thing and we are in charge of tending to them so that everything around us flourishes. But it has to start with us. Just follow the joy. If you don't have those moments of joy in your life right now, maybe go back to when you were eight years old. What brought you joy then? Go do that. You can connect with Stephanie through her website, neostrategic.org and on Instagram at neo underscore strategic. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with someone, message them, email them or send them the link. Please share it on your social media and tag us at True Intention Podcast and Stephanie at Neo underscore strategic. I'm sure she would love to see it. Follow, subscribe and review the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen because it really does help so much. Thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute world to me. I will talk to you very soon.